What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of First Pitch 305. I'm your host, Alex Aguirre, and joining me on this episode of First Pitch 305, I have the pleasure of having another reporter that's welcomed me in the Marlins press box, has made me feel extremely welcome, give me tips and tricks. It's just good company to have up there, and he's going to be a frequent guest on this show. Andres, Andres Bolivar, welcome to First Pitch 305. Thank you, Alex. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, gracias por, por la invitación. Es un placer para mí estar acá hablando, pues, de los Marlins, quienes eh, estamos esperando que hagan una, una mejor temporada en lo que viene la segunda mitad eh, en la MLB. Y es un placer para mí estar aquí acompañándote en el podcast. Muchas gracias, muchas gracias, Andrés. Yeah, we love to have you on the show. And like, and like I said, Andrés Bolivar, he covers the Miami Marlins and he also covers the Tampa Bay Rays yeah. for his account, Con las bases llenas, and you can follow them on Twitter at Con las bases full. So a lot of content there, a lot of great content uh, for you know baseball in Florida with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Miami Marlins. So Andres, thank you for being on. We're so glad to have you on, and we're gonna dive right into because we're recording this on June 30th, a Thursday. So we're recording this on a Marlins off day, and the night after Sandy Alcantara. The definitely cemented himself as the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Andres, vamos a hablar de eso. Vamos a hablar de Sandy Alcantara. Let's talk about his performance last night. Uh, Andres, I'll let you uh, have the lead on this. What did you think about Sandy Alcantara pitching a complete game, but also telling Don Mattingly to, no, 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 no. I, I am going to finish this one. Uh, ¿Qué tú piensas eso? Uh, Alex, eh, creo que lo que vimos ayer fue una, primero un increíble juego de béisbol, eh, me atrevo a decir que fue el más emocionante de los Marlins esta temporada, y Sandy Alcántara eh, mostró de lo que está hecho, ya lo ha hecho antes, no es la primera salida que tiene de esta manera, uh -huh. pero es impresionante verlo, y, y nosotros que hemos conversado con él, durante el postgame siempre es un lanzador que siempre está compitiendo y quiere terminar sus salidas y ayer le dijo a Don Matley hey let me finish this you know I got it en en ese momento estoy seguro que mucha gente si Sandy no sacaba el lado iban a decirle oh Don Matley por qué no lo sacaste ya no podía mm -hmm. más right. pero no eh, Sandy se mostró seguro y dijo hey I got this eh, déjame terminar y lo hizo Hubo, hubo su, su susto al final con ese último batazo para el doble play, pero al final Sandy Alcántara terminó su segundo juego eh, completo en las grandes ligas esta temporada, eh, el quinto en su carrera, y es impresionante. Creo que los Marlins tienen un ace por bastante tiempo en la franquicia. They do have their ace for a good amount of time, as you mentioned, Andrés. The Marlins recently in the offseason signed Sandy Alcantara to a five-year 50-something million, like the mid-50s, you know, contract. That's a that's a steal. It's, it's, it's practically gratis. It's free practically for the amount of money that, that they're paying him now in the future for the way he's pitching now. So if he can continue, the, obviously it's extremely difficult to pitch under a 2.00 ERA. It's super hard, but right now he's pitching to a 1.95 ERA. It's hard to sustain that. But if he can keep this type of, of level, of, of being that type of workhorse and ace for the next five years, then the Marlins have a steal. The Marlins ha have the probably the biggest steal in all of Major League Baseball with the way he's playing right now. And let's let, I'm going to talk about some other stats just to, you know, 
make the case even better for himself to start in the All-Star game. He's the only pitcher in Major League Baseball with at least 100 innings pitched, with at least 10 games of at least 7 innings pitched, and no more than 2 earned runs in those outings. And with multiple complete games, as Andres said, this is his second complete game of the season and his fifth in his career. And his 115.1 innings pitch this season is the most in baseball. He's a workhorse. He is what he's the epitome of an ace, or especially in modern day baseball. Andres, you know, I just said all these amazing stats of Sandy Alcantara. Do you think he is the starting pitcher for the National League team in the All-Star game? He should, he should, like, debería hacerlo, si te das cuenta, eh, no hay ningún otro lanzador en la Liga Nacional con estos números que acabas de mencionar, right. y es que es impresionante, y lo decía ayer en mi cuenta de Twitter, hay que, hay que apoyar a Sandy Alcántara, y si tienen la oportunidad de irlo a ver a lanzar en, en el ballpark, vayan, no, no van a perder ese, ese juego, no importa contra quién jueguen los Marlins, es impresionante lo que está haciendo Sandy Alcántara esta temporada. Y además de, de que debería ser el lanzador eh, para, para el Juego de las Estrellas por la Liga Nacional, me atrevo a decir que candidato a ganar el Saiyong en la Liga Nacional. Y estamos apenas, a, la, a menos, todavía no hemos llegado a la mitad de la temporada, pero debería ser un candidato a, a pelear por el Saiyong en la Liga Nacional. Absolutely. Obviamente, you know, the, the... The I guess the rumor, not the rumors, but the talks of the Cy Young Award is always going to begin no matter what time of the season, you know, this early, this late. doesn't matter. There's always going to be conversations about it. Yeah. And definitely, definitely Sandy has cemented himself as a finalist for that position up to this point. He, in my opinion, is the Cy Young, you know, the, um, like he will win it if it, if it ended today. If, it end, if the season ends yeah. today, he's yeah. the ob obvious winner. Um, Sandy Alcantara, um, he is... Like you said, he's worth watching when he when it's his day to pitch. He is becoming, you know, must see it, must see TV, must see, you know, in person because he like the Marlins haven't had a pitcher like that since Jose Fernandez. When every time Jose Fernandez pitched, when it was his when it was his day to pitch, that stadium will get more full. It'll, the, the, there'll be it'll be louder. It'll just be a, a lot more electricity in the air the days that Jose pitched. And I hope and I'm and I'm you know urging listeners that that he is a must-see ticket in this town you know there's a lot of things to do in miami i get it miami's a very busy especially the nightlife but if you have an opportunity send to see sandy alcantara pitch in miami you must you must go check him out and andres um other than jose fernandez do you think when's the last time miami or you know had a pitcher like this i don't i can't think of someone like this like in recent memory no, estaba a punto de decírtelo. Creo que si chequeamos en la historia de los Marlins, uh -huh. no hay ningún otro lanzador del calibre de Sandy Alcántara, del nivel de Sandy Alcántara, y tendríamos que recordar a, a José Fernández eh, en los Marlins. A partir de José Fernández hasta ahora, no había nadie de este nivel que, que, que los Marlins no tenían un as hasta este entonces, hasta hace no. dos temporadas, hasta hace una, y sin embargo... Sandy Alcántara no estaba en el nivel en el que está este año. No, no, you're right. Sandy Alcántara, he was growing and improving. Estaba mejorando cada año con los Marlins. Yeah. Pero este año, this year, he just, he has taken it to a whole new level. And Andres, you mentioned that earlier when you were, when you were talking about Sandy. The way he goes about himself in the clubhouse and in the postgame, it's, it's so much confidence, but not in a cocky way. 
It, it's not in a rude way. He 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 conducts himself as a professional. And when even when he doesn't pitch, he's working hard. He's working out for hours. He said it post game one time that yeah, the the day after I pitch, I have a two and a half hour workout. Yep. It's you know? crazy. It's crazy. And it and it shows you the type of of leadership that he has taken on because when he first started here in Miami, cuando empezó con Miami, he wasn't like this. He was he was a little bit more quiet, a little more timid. You can tell that he's becoming the leader of the, of this of the pitching staff, Andres. Yeah, he knows the the new role that he has now on, on the Marlins. Yeah. So, él él sabe que que los demás lanzadores lo están viendo como una figura y que lo que él hace dentro del bullpen o dentro del, del montículo cuando sube y tiene una salida eso va a crear algo con los demás lanzadores y lo vemos cuando después vemos a Pablo López lanzar eh, eh, en los Marlins ¿sabes? Uh -huh. ese 1-2 que tiene el equipo y cuando vemos a Sandy bien, yéndole bien y después vemos a Pablo López y vemos que comparten tanto tiempo, se puede entender por qué, por qué los dos están teniendo éxito en esta, en, en esta temporada I couldn't agree more with you, Andres. And Andres was touching on the fact that, and I and I and, and I noticed that as well. And I've and I'm having the great opportunity to witness that firsthand. That yes, uh, it's no it's no coincidence that Sandy and Pablo Lopez are having amazing seasons. They're attached to the hip practically. When the, when the days that they're not playing, they're sitting next to each other yeah. in the dugout. You know, they're you know they're picking each other's brains. They're always trying to. Uh, improve and it's kind of and it kind of brings that competitive element as well within the team you know to who's you know who's gonna have a better outing this week and and that friendly competition within a, a pitching um a pitching rotation is a very good problem to have and it's good to see sandy develop these leadership qualities when we when the marlins have other young players that kind of remind me of, of sandy in, the, in terms of you know, the velocity, the heavy sinker, the heavy changeup, you know, with Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera, you know, he, he can be a humongous mentor and a huge leader for those two young pitchers when they, you know, find their groove and get back healthy and hopefully, you know, wear a Marlins uniform for a long time. Andres, like, what, what can you think um, Sandy can have, what type of impact Sandy can have on the younger pitchers for the Miami Marlins? Oh, we see this uh, when Trevor Rogers told us um, on the post game eh, que él ve a, a, a Sandy Alcántara y a Pablo López y cuando ve una salida de ellos, mm -hmm. él quiere estar a ese nivel. Él quiere, él quiere hacer lo mismo que hace, Pablo, que hace Pablo López y que hace Sandy Alcántara. Ya cuando ves a Trevor Rogers diciendo esto durante un post game, entiendes lo importante que es Sandy Alcántara para el equipo. Y después vemos a un Edward Cabrera que, que mostró dos salidas de calidad. Eh, uh -huh. Todos esperan la llegada, por supuesto, de Matt Meyer. Creo que eh, va a ser interesante cuando los veamos unidos en el bullpen. Eh, está Luzardo. Muchas caras de, de los Marlins que lastimosamente están lesionados. Pero ven, ven a Sandy Alcántara como un líder. Y, y estoy, quiero... Tengo esa ansiedad por ver a un bullpen de los, a una rotación de los Marlins completamente healthy y que podamos verlos en su mejor nivel, como lo estamos viendo con Sandy Alcántara, pero todos juntos. Creo que eso va a cambiar mucho al equipo de los Marlins de Miami. One can only hope, um, Andres, because you know six toes out. Trevor Rogers has not been the same. Like you know, he's been having, he's been yeah. inconsistent this year. You know, um, Cabrera, he's been sidelined. Uh, you know, Lusardo, who 
His ERA was a little bit, a little, a little too weird. high. But yeah, but what's, what's it's weird what happened with the with the pitchers on the Marlins because yeah. they started like oh we are healthy and then one week one week and todos al mismo tiempo caen en la lista de lesionados. It, it it was very odd. I couldn't I couldn't agree more with the timing. Uh, with that you mentioned, Andres, you know, Losardo's injury, we all thought, you know, that it was very minor, you know, a couple of weeks, but it's been, I think, more than a month now. And, you know, it just, and then Trevor Rogers has been inconsistent. And then now we have, we're, we're calling up guys like Braxton Garrett, which is fine. I'm glad that Braxton Garrett, and, you know, and Cabrera, they're getting this time at the major league level. But it's just, it's just a shame because cuando el año empezó, when the, when the, when the year started on paper, that pitching rotation for the Miami Marlins could have, could could have competed against any team in baseball, you know. And now they're you know they're trying to put the pieces together with you know band aids, you know they're trying to you know trying to make it work. But you know with Sandy Alcantara, you know it he's a pretty much a for sure win when he goes on the mound. He's gonna you know practically guarantee a win for, for the Marlins. And you know other other pitchers I mentioned Lopez, Rogers. You know we're gonna get talk to the, talked about them a bit more in the next segment because um, Sandy has taken that step year after year. Pablo has taken that step year after year. Trevor is has kind of not been on that same path. Obviously, it's just year two. He's just in his second year of his MLB career, so he's gonna obviously have those sophomore slumps. But I think the sky is the limit for the Marlins pitching rotation. The future is bright. Right now, they're you know thirty four and forty. We're gonna meet Andres and I. We're gonna talk about later in the show what the direction of this franchise should be. But right now, with Sandy Alcantara as their ace, he is the Miami Marlins' best pitcher in base. Uh, the Miami Marlins' best pitcher, I think, in franchise history, and he's the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, lo otro que lo, the other thing, like lo que me preocupa es. Uh, estamos viendo salidas de Sandy Alcántara que pasan fácilmente a 100 pitches, uh, más del séptimo inning, mm -hmm. y con todas estas lesiones que han tenido los lanzadores de los Marlins, entonces quieres cuidar a tu, a tu mejor brazo dentro de la rotación, pero a la vez es el que te asegura, como bien dijiste, una victoria, o es casi segura. Entonces los Marlins también tienen que saber cuidar a Sandy yes. Alcántara, porque no en todas las salidas va a poder completar un juego por más de que él quiera, porque no todas las salidas te puede hacer 120 lanzamientos, porque eso es inhumano. He's not a machine. Like, he, he needs to be healthy because no sabemos, esto es béisbol, we, we don't know if Marlins, something happened and then they qualify to the postseason. It's like, it's hard, it's going to be hard. But what happened if, si lo hacen, and then mm -hmm. Sandy's not going to be 100% healthy. Entonces, son, son muchas cosas que los Marlins tienen que también cuidar en este momento de Sandy Alcántara. Él es el futuro del equipo. He's the future yeah. of the franchise. So I understand completely what you're saying, Andres, that the Marlins do have to consider, the, consider as well that, yes, he is a workhorse, and yes, he could eat up innings, but it's, a, it's the long game as well. If this team is trying to compete for a, a postseason spot, you would want to have him healthy and 100% when that post when that first postseason series begins or if you need him for that a wild card game and need him for that one game you would want that you would i would want sandy alcantara for, to pitch that one game for me so um the mons de definitely need him and i want to like round things off talking about sandy alcantara 
I just want to talk about the mound visit real quick. I know we've mentioned it right in the beginning of the show, but I think Don Mattingly, the manager for the Miami Marlins, I think he learned his his lesson in, in the from the past. There was a couple outings this year that Sandy Alcantara, you know, he could have finished the game. Was pitch count, as you mentioned, a factor? Yes, obviously you don't want to overwork him. But, you know, there were two or three games already this season that when Madeline takes him out with the lack of run support as well, the bullpen messes up the game. And I think Mattingly going to talk that, that mound visit, I think he just felt and heard the anger, not the anger, but more of just the intensity of, of Sandy because he's like, I need to finish this because like, I'm sure he didn't say this to Mattingly, but I'm sure Mattingly knew that if I take him out again and the bullpen messes his game up, I'm not going to like, it's, it's just going to be a very, very bad look because, you know, one time. Okay. But it's been more than one time already that this has happened. So, I'm very glad that Mattingly finally, you know, I'm, I'm sure he has all the confidence in Sandy to finish any game, but I'm, I'm, I, I, as a fan, I'm, I'm happy to see Mattingly let Alcantara finish the game. He, I think both of them needed that for each other, for that mutual, um, you know, respect and confidence amongst each other. Yeah. We, we saw something similar um, on the start of June on Sandy Alcantara against the Phillies. Uh, mm -hmm. Don Mattingly lo sacó en, en la octava entrada con dos outs eh, y, y la reacción de Sandy al llegar al, al, al dogado fue lanzar el guante y se le veía muy molesto. So, esta situación sirvió como para que ambos estuviesen uh, de manera equilibrada y, ok, ya me sacaste una vez, no lo vuelvas a hacer, dame la confianza para terminar el juego. Y evidentemente Mattingly no podía hacerlo dos veces. Y le dio esa, esa seguridad y le dio, ok, ¿lo quieres? Go for it. Y Sandy lo hizo. Es que lo de, lo de ayer, a pesar de que no fue, porque me atrevo a decir que no ha sido la mejor apertura de Sandy Alcántara, no. porque lo hemos visto haciendo otras cosas mejores que esta, donde ayer permitió tres carreras, cuando a Sandy hay incluso encuentros donde no permite ni una carrera, eh, pero se le veía al final como él quería su juego completo, él quería terminar eso y él sabía lo importante que era que los Marlins consiguieran esa victoria en San Luis para evitar la barrida luego de haber ganado tres juegos seguidos en, en Colorado, en, en, aquí en Miami ante Colorado. Yeah, no, you're right. On the one hand, you know, it's great for that Sandy and the Marlins were able to win that game and not get swept in St. Louis, you know, win one out of three. You know, it, St. Louis is a good team. So it, it is what it is, but... You know, yeah, the mutual um, confidence that the Madeline and Sandy are, have now, I think, is gonna is, is just gonna grow and become even better, you know, as the season progresses. And you know, just you know, rounding things off here with Sandy Alcantara, he is, I think, going to be the starting pitcher for the National League. And starting like start talking a little bit more about Sandy, but the rest of the pitching staff and their development with the team. Some recent news with the Miami Marlins. You know, for this seg for this segment in this episode of First Pitch 305, we're going to talk about the vice president or the former now vice president of player development and scouting, Gary Denbo. He was dismissed by the Miami Marlins a couple of days ago, and you know, it's not it's not a surprise that this happened because obviously of the departure of Derek Jeter early in the uh, of this season. But you know, he was handpicked by Derek Jeter to for this front office role with the Marlins, and 
Dembo has a relationship has ha- has had a relationship with Derek Jeter for a very long time since his days with the Yankees. Uh, Dembo's been part of the Yankees organization for a very 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 long time. But when when Derek Jeter brought him over in 2017, his role with the Yankees was vice president of player development. So he was going to have, or well, he was going to have a huge, huge role here in Miami. And Andres, let's talk about his overall, I guess, impact he had on the team. Um, like just before we start, start breaking things down, let's just, if you were to give it a grade, like an A, B, or C, a grade, what would you give? his tenure his his time here in miami i think uh, i'm gonna put maybe mm, b negativa or maybe c okay uh, c. okay yeah because i mean we are so estamos viendo a a, a un just cheese hole like right now y, mm-hmm. y antes de la temporada hablamos mucho de del cuerpo de lanzadores que tenía joven el equipo de los marlins y eso, eso ha sido trabajado por, por, por alguien, y en ese momento era Dembo, pero evidentemente no, no, no todos los jugadores jóvenes de los Marlins han tenido éxito en la franquicia, y eso uh-huh. es algo que también, eh, entonces estamos ir invirtiendo, pero no estamos recibiendo algo a cambio, y no estamos viendo el progreso que queremos ver. Eh, también es un poco que se esperaba, porque como bien lo dijiste, él trabajó mucho con Jeter, y esto pasa, esto acaba de suceder cuatro meses después de que Jeter eh, sale de, de los Marlins. Right. Eh, entonces, era algo que creo que todo el mundo se esperaba, o, o no sorprendió a muchos, pero sí, creo que le voy a dar una B negativa, o maybe sí, al trabajo que hizo con, con la franquicia de los Marlins. You, you read my mind. I was going to give B minus C around there as my grade for, you know, how he did in, in, with, the, with the Miami Marlins. But let's just give it a, a, a bigger perspective for a second for our listeners. You know, when the when Gary Denbo and Derek Jeter and, and Sherman and the rest of the ownership took over in 2017, the Miami Marlins were in shambles and had a terrible, terrible, you know, minor league system. Their farm system they had no farm system. They, they it, there was it was barren, you know. Um, so they had to work that franchise from the ground up. And from that standpoint, I do give Dembo credit. It he definitely improved the, the their farm system. It wasn't the best of the best in all of baseball, but definitely made it res- extremely respectable. Well, es que es que cuando ves uh, cuando ves a una fran- a una granja como la de Tampa Bay Rays. Exactly, o equipos yeah. como, como Oakland, que son right. equipos que vienen trabajando la granja desde hace mucho tiempo, incluso el equipo, me atrevo a decir, que es un equipo que, que cubro, la, la granja de Tampa Bay Bays es, like, es, no es la mejor, pero está en el top 3 de las mejores en la MLB, pero eso ha sido trabajado en años, y, y los Marlins, eh, a pesar de que han avanzado, y ya, como bien dijiste, no tenían no tenían una granja eh, o no se hablaban de los prospectos de los Marlins. No había un jugador que tú dijeras, quiero verlo en la MLB. Y eso es lo que estamos ahorita viviendo con los Marlins. Sí, sí creció, sí se trabajó, pero no al nivel que se esperaba. No se llevó a, a, a ese top 3 o top 5 de las mejores granjas de, eh, en la MLB. Y es lo que el equipo quiere. Eh, eso es lo que ellos necesitan. Porque sabemos que los Marlins no cuentan con la 
billetera más grande en la MLB. No. Entonces, la mejor manera de recurrir al, al, al éxito en un, en un campeonato es tener tus jugadores. Y si no los creas o no, lo, no los llevas a tu granja, no vas a tener éxito nunca. Yeah, and you made a good point with, with um, the, 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 the payroll and the budgeting. You know, the Marlins are, like, like you said, like the A's. Tampa Bay is a perfect example in terms of player development and seeing that come to fruition, seeing that develop at the major league level and perform well. You know, I've said it before in other episodes and even with, with Fist Stripes on, on, their, on their podcast as well, that, you know, play, like Lewis Brinson, Monte Harrison, yeah, they're still in the league. Yes, they're still uh, major league baseball players. But the Marlins were counting on them, in the, especially in the Christian Yelich trade, that, that they were going to be um, building blocks and franchise cornerstones, you know, and not even acceptable role player and, you know, a, a quality bench piece. They, were, they weren't even able to be something like that. So and then you mentioned Jazz Chisholm. And yes, he did spend some time with the Marlins in their minor league system. But let's not forget, you know, people listening as well, that Jazz Chisholm was, is not a Miami product. He came from the Arizona's farm system, yep. and another and another thing. Um, uh, then when you mentioned about the about the money, and I want to and I want to just give a shout out as well to Fish Tribes for this stat. The and I didn't know about this. The Marlins invested four plus million dollars to to sign Scott, uh, Connor Scott, Victor Victor Mesa, JJ Blade, and Khalil uh, Watson. Uh, Scott, he's he's not on the team anymore. He he's been traded to the Pirates. Victor, Victor, Blade, and Watson, they're still in the Marlins minor league system, but they haven't been performing up to expectations. Watson is still very, very early to tell. Blade, I think he needs to be called up already, but it, it just depends on what fran uh, what direction the franchise wants to go. And then Nick Fortes is a name that, you know, does pop up, that Miami was able to grow and, and develop, but that's just one name. Yeah. You know. de, de, de cuántos like está es que sin ir muy lejos el, el tema de, de cómo han sido los trades para los Marlins eh, si recordamos cuando Christian que estamos hablando de, 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 de los cambios que han hecho los Marlins para entonces en el trabajo cuando estaba Dembo eh, con el equipo Christian Yelich salió del equipo y el trade for, for Christian Yelich eh, trajo a Lewis Brinson Monte Harrison Isan Díaz, uh, Jordan Yamamoto, mm -hmm. y ninguno de esos cuatro nombres están actualmente con los Marlins. Ninguno, here, yeah. ni, ninguno de esos cuatro nombres tuvo éxito con los Marlins. El que me atrevo a decir que pasó más tiempo con la franquicia y quizás se le podía dar como algo de crédito porque tenía, me parece que tenía buenas manos en el infield, para mí es Isan Díaz. Uh, Lewis Brinson juega actualmente con los Angelinos, eh, Harrison realmente no sé dónde está, Isaac Díaz está en triple A con, con el equipo de Boston y Jordan Yamamoto tampoco, oh, creo que está en, en, en los Mets right now, o I don't know, pero es, 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 es lo que estamos viendo, o sea, actualmente, como dijiste, Jazz no es algo que viene de los Marlins, fue un trade que llegó desde Arizona y Nick Fortes, que lo estamos viendo esta temporada, uh -huh. eh, está teniendo... No voy a decir éxito, pero se le está viendo bien con, con el trabajo que está haciendo. Pero un nombre de una lista que puede ser larga, infinita. Eso te dice, de efectividad tenemos que 0.1% de, de todos los, los prospectos que hay. Uh 
entonces algo se está haciendo mal. No, yeah, there, there is definitely something wrong. Like, like, we, like we mentioned, Dembo didn't do a terrible job. He definitely improved the, the Marlins farm system. But from the position player aspect, from the, like let's remove the pitching side of things. They did not do a good job. You know, Dembo and his team did not do a very good job in terms of developing talent. All these prospects that the Marlins received in the Yelich trade, um, the Ozuna trade, the Ozuna trade, they did get Sandy Alcantara. And, you know, but that's one name of tons of tons of prospects that they've drafted and traded for in this rebuild. And not many have, we haven't seen those names succeed at the major league level. But we do have, but we do have on the, now if you bring in the pitching side, we do have an opportunity to see in the future down the line, you know, Yeldy Perez, you know, Max Meyer, Edward Cabrera, you know, Jesus Lazardo, Jake Eater, you know, names like that, that they were, they were part of, they are part of the Marlins minor league system while Denbo was here. They have been improving every year and little by little while they, while they were in the farm system. So yes, Denbo, it was, it was not, it was not a complete failure. There was positives to take from this, but now we have to wait and see because just like with the position players, th those pitchers I mentioned, Meyer, Cabrera, you know, even Lusardo, because he hasn't played for very long at the major league level, Eody pairs, we still have to wait and see, how they do, you know, at, in Major League Baseball, because it, and, and and that's those, I guess, the struggle of baseball is that you have to wait for all these young guys to play. De hecho, el, el único el único jugador que, como bien lo estás diciendo, si separamos a los lanzadores de los jugadores por posición, el único jugador de los Marlins dentro mm -hmm. de los te, del top 100 de los mejores prospectos de la MLB es Watson y se espera que esté listo para 2024. So we need to wait para, para verlo en, en, en las grandes ligas. So, yeah, ¿qué, qué, qué tanto éxito? Y, y todavía no sabemos porque sí se ha hablado mucho de lo que tiene Max Meyer. Mucha gente lo quiere ver en las grandes ligas. Tuve la oportunidad de verlo en sprint Training y me parece que está listo para dar el salto, pero esto es un punto de vista mío. No, no tengo nada que ver con la franquicia y ellos sabrán muchas cosas que yo no sé. Pero... El momento verdadero o lo que va a demostrar si está listo o no es cuando haga su primera apertura en las grandes ligas y si mantiene ese nivel. Eh, cosa que eh, ya lo vimos con Edward Cabrera. Edward Cabrera la, me parece que, que tiene algunos detalles que trabajar, pero va a ser un buen lanzador. Y lo otro es eh, el problema que ha tenido los Marlins con Sixto Sánchez. Lo hicieron, fue una promesa, uh, era un jugador que era como el Max Meyer de, de hace dos años, uh -huh. subió, tuvo, tuvo un buen debut, mostró bastante, eh, bast mostró seguridad en su repertorio, pero así, luego se lesionó y, y, y no ha podido regresar. Entonces, al final... No, no, te, no te transmite esa seguridad con los jugadores, incluso con, con los lanzadores, que parece ser la mejor cara del equipo en cuanto a los prospectos hablamos. No hay esa seguridad de si van a llegar a las grandes ligas y van a tener éxito, eh, se van a lesionar en, en, en dos aperturas o van a ser el próximo Sandy Alcántara. Eh, es muy, hay muchas incógnitas en cuanto al tema de, con, con los jugadores jóvenes de los Marlins. Yeah, I, I, there's so you got, it's a waiting game. You got to wait and see what happens. Another player that I forgot to mention as well that was under Denbo's tenure that they, Marlins acquired in a trade 
um, was I think the Sergio Romo trade. Lenwin Diaz, the first baseman, he's had his stints here and there at the major league level, but we don't know still yet his full potential playing at the top, you know, playing at the highest level. We don't know because it has been too short. Um, the, the sample size hasn't been too big. So, you know, there are still going to be remains of, of Gary Dembo and he, cause he did leave his mark. There's still all these players that we mentioned that still haven't made their debut and we're, we're waiting and, you know, fingers crossed that it all goes well, you know, at, to the, the, to their rise to, to the MLB. But it's it, now we just have to wait and see. Maybe if these players develop and they, they do end up succeeding at the major league level, then I would probably change my grade for Gary Dembo from a C minus maybe to a B, like B a normal plus. B. B plus maybe. Yeah, definitely not an A yet, you know, but it's still, we have, you have to wait, you know, because and, yes, yes, Andres. Sorry, Alex. No. And uh, I, I, I was reading, aquí le voy a dar un, un otro punto a los amigos Dime. de Fish uh, y también de, de Eric, porque este lo vi un tweet de ellos. Mm -hmm. uh, actualmente los Marlins para el día de hoy tienen récord de 34 and 40. Mm -hmm. Baltimore, Baltimore, Uh, they have record 35-42. Wow. Y de Baltimore ya subió a su mejor prospecto de la, de la franquicia y en verdad lo está haciendo muy bien. Entonces, el primer prospecto dentro de la franquicia de los Marlins es Watson. He's not gonna be ready. Um, tiene 19 años, tan solo oh, se espera que esté listo para 2024. El segundo es Matt Smeyer. No lo hemos visto todavía en la MLB. Yeah. El tercero, Eury Pérez. Tampoco está en la MLB. He's 19. <laughs> Exacto. Y then, el que está más cerca, además de Matt Smeyer, es J.J. Bleeday, que es un outfield. Uh, tiene 24 años. Tampoco lo hemos visto en la MLB. Entonces, eso es... No, creo que eso es una señal del equipo en... No como que no tenemos confianza, pero no sabemos qué va a pasar y no sabemos si estos jugadores van a ser un éxito a diferencia de lo que han hecho las otras franquicias con sus novatos. Yeah, and, and th I think for Blade's issue is that the Marlins have all these outfielders already. The Marlins have, and they're veterans, you know, like Soler and, you know, um, they, and, you, Garcia. And, and Garcia, you know, so you, you can't, you can't put them, those guys to the bench for Blade. You can't, you, no. can, you can't, you just, because it's a, just based just, off it, like the hierarchy of things. It's the same with, with uh, Gerard Encarnacion, right? Uh, Encarnacion, so, yeah. Uh, eh, no, siento que no hay esa seguridad con, con tus jugadores de ligas menores. Mm -hmm. Y si no crees en lo que tú estás creando desde abajo, who's going to do it? Exactly. No, that's a great way. Yeah, if you're not going to... Yeah, if you're not going to trust the players, uh, the, the young guys, then what's the point of drafting them? What's the point of trading for them? That's, there's a reason why you went after those guys. So you got to give them a chance at, at some point. And that's, a, I, I, I think, a great segue for our next segment, which is, you know, up ahead for the Miami Marlins. What is the direction of this franchise? You know, like like Andres mentioned, the Marlins record right now is 34 and 40. It's not terrible. They're, they, you know, they're, they're almost at 500. They just can't get there, you know, and it, and they, and the trade deadline is about a month away. August 2nd is July 30th right now. So the Marlins have about a month, give or take 30 ish games around there to turn it around and 
it's you know they've had all this time they haven't really been like dead under under the water under 500 they've always been like five or six four games under 500 but they just can't get that extra push to get to 500 so and it, and it and it's been like that's been the story for this team for the past month or so so I don't see any signs of things changing that, oh, yeah, the next 25 to 30 games, yeah, they're definitely going to get to 500 and turn things around. I think they are just too many injuries right now. And it, the way they're playing against good teams, they're beating the bad teams, but the way they're playing against the good and average teams, it's just not going to cut it, I think. Um, but Andres, you know, they won a game, but the last game in St. Louis, um, they swept the Rockies. And then they won one out of three against the Mets. Those are that was those are the recent series again for the Miami Marlins. Based off the way they played their last three series, how do you think they will play for the next month? Uh, es un mes de julio que que tiene creo que muy buenos equipos. Además se van a ver la cara otra vez seis veces contra los Mets, uh, right. tres veces contra los Phillies, uh, que son equipos que están en su división y que creo que son los juegos más importantes porque si, si, si le ganas a, a tus rivales directos pues obviamente vas a llegar más rápido y no vas a depender de más nadie y subir en la, en la tabla de, 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 tu, de tu división el tema con, con los Marlins es, es la inconsistencia creo que, que así como a principios de la temporada tuvieron una racha ganadora eh, porque en el mes de abril eh, ganaron cuatro o cinco juegos seguidos, incluso me atrevo a decir que seis, uh, no, no lo hemos visto más. Y los Marlins no han jugado para 500 desde el 10 de junio, cuando ganaron, eh, desde el 11 de junio, cuando le ganaron a Houston, y luego de que le ganaron a Houston, fueron en picada y bajaron por debajo de 500, empezaron a jugar por debajo de 500. Right. Entonces, creo que lo importante va a ser ganar los juegos en casa ganar los juegos en casa, evitar las barridas en casa. Esos tres juegos ante los Mets de Nueva York eh, la semana pasada, donde se perdieron dos, donde creo que se pudo haber ganado la serie, pesan. Pesan porque estás en tu, en tu, en tu casa, a pesar de que no parece así, para la gente que nos escucha, eh, el estadio de los Marlins eh, durante el fin de semana ante los Mets sí. parecía <risa> mucho más eh, casa de los Mets que de los propios Marlins, uh -huh. pero... Eh, esos son los juegos importantes, ganar en casa y además también va a ser el tema de, tenemos la pausa por el juego de las estrellas, que, qué tan importante va a ser este, este, como esta pausa para los jugadores, estos pequeños días de descanso para ellos y cómo van a, a despertar para la mitad, para la otra mitad del mes de julio. Yeah, you know, like they're, they're going to have some, not breathing room, but they're going to have an opportunity to get back to 500, get closer to 500, because, you know, after this series that they just played against St. Louis, they're, they have an off day today, and now they're going to play a four-game series against the Washington Nationals. You know, so, like I said earlier, they're beating the bad teams, and they're struggling against the average and good teams, but the Marlins do have an 8-1 record against the Washington Nationals this year. It's safe to say that Miami does have their number, but, you know... It, They, they need to keep that going. They need to keep that, especially against the Nationals. You need to take care of those games. So we're, we're talking about if Marlins sweep Washington, they come back to, to Miami against L.A. with uh, solo por un juego por debajo de 500. Porque mm -hmm. estar, estaríamos hablando que tendrían récord de 39 y 40 eh, para llegar aquí ante, ante la serie de los Angelinos. And then visitar a los Mets. 
So, esta serie de los nacionales de Washington creo que va a decir mucho para el tema que vamos a hablar después, de cuál va a ser ese siguiente paso para los Marlins. ¿Nos movemos o simplemente nos quedamos así como estamos? Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like these, this stretch of games, the four games against Washington, that, that I, you know, even though it's an American League series, I thought, you know, against an American League team, that those two games against the Angels are important. If you take three out of four, sweep the Washington Nationals, you would want to carry that momentum back home. The Marlins are better at home than they are on the road. They do have a record above 500 at home. So I do, so that, you know, it's not a, an amazing record, but it's a lot better than their road record. So they can, you know, take care of business on the road against Washington, ride that momentum for that quick two game series against um, LA and take care of business there. Then they're going back on the road to, against New York, but in a, in a lot different position, you know, at 500, close to 500, even above 500, if they can, you know, win out these next games. I think no. Sí. They win. The, they win the next six games. They'll be at 500. They'll be 30. They'll be 40 and 40 because they're 34 and 40 eh, at the mm -hmm. moment. So you know, it's just about taking care of business. And the, and right now, the Angels aren't like that hot of a team. They were, you know, earlier in the month they went on what like a 14 game losing streak. They fired their manager, so they, you know, things are not all you know kumbaya with the with the with the Angels right now. So the Marlins have a chance to take six games right now. Y, y estamos hablando de una división, sí, los Mets están jugando un béisbol increíble porque los yeah. Mets eh, están siendo uno de los mejores equipos al lado de, de los New York Yankees, pero un equipo de Filadelfia que también está pasando el trabajo, que también despidieron a su manager, como bien eh, mencionaste, Atlanta, uh, ahorita es que está tu, tuvieron un mes de junio absolutamente increíble con 25 victorias y la derrota de este 30 de, de junio... Eh, Apenas tres juegos perdidos en el mes de junio. It's amazing. Uh, pero los Marlins todavía tienen un chance de decir, hey, we can fight for something. Like, we have time. Pero they need to start right now. Yeah. They need to start right now because Jazz, you know, Jazz Chisholm, he's out for an another injury. They just keep stacking up for this team. Jazz Chisholm, you know, um, and yesterday, day before yesterday, he, you know, he was put on the 10 day injured list for lower back spasms. It just keeps returning. You know, that it's, that's something that's been lingering a bit, uh, last couple of weeks for jazz and the moms were like, you know what? We're not going to risk anything right now because we need you for the long haul, just like Sandy. So we're going to put you on the 10 day IL, take care, take care of yourself. And then this is going to be more, more playing time for John birdie, who I did not expect this at all. At the beginning of the season, John birdie is batting 289 and he leads the majors, With 22 steals, you know, and this is a part-time player, this is a utility player. So obviously, I would like to see Jazz Chisholm there more often. But if you know the way John Birdie's playing right now at the moment, it, it you know for a replacement player, it's pretty good. Uh, un dato que que estoy consiguiendo en este momento para para mm -hmm. ustedes, uh, los Marlins tienen récord de siete victorias y siete derrotas cuando Jazz Chisholm uh, no está. En, mm -hmm. el, en el line-up. Eh, entonces, tener 50% de, de, de éxito cuando Jazz no está en el line-up te dice mucho lo importante que es este jugador a la, a la ofensiva para los Marlins. Sin embargo, John Berti, Gary Cooper, uh, 
están haciendo una temporada que para mí nadie las tenía pensada que, que iban a tener. Eh, lo que está haciendo John Berti corriendo las bases, eh, cada vez que llega a primera es casi probable que se ponga en posición anotadora. Gary Cooper está siendo uno de esos jugadores que cuando tienes una posición en, en, en base, quieres que le llegue un turno porque está haciendo el trabajo y, y muchos piden que eh, Cooper vaya al All-Star Game. Uh, creo que no va a ser posible, aunque no sé cómo no. Eh, el bateador designado por el tema de Bryce Harper, que, que, se le, que está lesionado, no sé cómo, cómo vayan a manejar eh, en el All-Star Game, pero la temporada que está haciendo es impresionante y creo que estos son los jugadores que pueden hacer la diferencia en el equipo. Eh, sí, esperemos que Abisail García, este jonrón que conectó uh, para ayudar a Sandy Alcántara, sea la chispa que, que despierte ese bate, porque va a ser importante también dentro del equipo de los Marlins para la siguiente serie. Yeah, you mentioned another name right there, Abisail García. Uh, you know, signed that big contract. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been on his case, especially on Marlins Twitter, about like his struggles this season. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, you know. I'm with Danny Garcia as well. Daniel Garcia, he, he's been mentioning that. I mean, sorry, uh, you know, um, not Daniel Garcia, Daniel Alvarez. I remember him reading a tweet saying that people are bashing and bashing Garcia. And he's like, don't give up on him. Seriously. Like, don't get, and I'm with him there. You know, he's not a, a multi time, a multi all star, but he, ha, he's, there's, it's not a coincidence that he's lasted this long at the major league level for over a decade. He's doing something right. He's doing something correct. So, you know, he, and it's, a step in the right direction in terms of free agent signings because the Marlins don't really sign free agents like this or, or give out dish out money like that in recent history. So I'm rooting for Garcia. I do think that he, he can provide so much power to this lineup because it was lacking so much in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, with John Birdie and Cooper, we, like you said, I didn't expect that at all. Their performance this season. Cooper has always been getting hurt. Birdie, you know, he play, he starts every, you know, a few, like once a week, he's a utility guy you know, a plug and play player. But I just think that, you know, like you said, I didn't know that the, the, the Mons are seven and seven when Jazz doesn't play. That just speaks to the volumes of, of Birdie's impact in his performance this season. I, I'm so happy for him, a guy who's grinded and, and has to, had to earn everything and every step of his way to the major league level. So if he's going to be the Jazz replacement for like for this short amount of time, so be it. It could, things could be a lot worse in terms of that. But, you know, Jazz with Jazz Chisholm out, BA, Brian Anderson, he's coming back. So that the timing kind of sucks. Joey Wendell's gonna come back soon as well because Brian Anderson and Joey Wendell were on the same rehab assignment. So the Marlins are slowly getting some players, some key players back as well. But 34 and 40, month left to the trade deadline. The big question before we start closing things off here in this episode is Andres, after all the injuries and after the players returning and everything I just mentioned. Do you think with a month left to the to the trade trade deadline, are the Marlins going to be buyers or sellers? Wow, <laughs> la verdad, I, I don't know, but I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say, yeah, it's tough because todavía no estás en ese punto de la temporada donde el equipo, como bien lo hemos dicho en el programa hoy en este episodio, no sabemos, o sea, los Marlins todavía no han llegado a ese punto de se pueden rendir, because tienen, tienen oportunidad quizás de, de pelear por, por un comodín para la postemporada. Eh, antes de decir si son compradores o vendedores, mencionaste a Joey Wendell. Uh, Joey Wendell, before uh, su lesión con, con los Marlins, he was hitting 284 with yeah. 25 hits. So, es importante, like, it, 
he's gonna be important for the next uh, series uh, with the with the Marlins. Uh, el equipo lo necesita. No tiene un puesto muy difícil que cubrir como es el de Jazz Chisholm, pero va a ser importante tenerlo de regreso. Y voy a decir que los Marlins van a ser compradores esta temporada. Sí. No veo el equipo de los Marlins vendiendo a sus jugadores. Creo que y lo y, y creo que lo, los que los Marlins necesitan es reforzar tu bullpen porque el, el, el tema del bullpen ha sido algo que, uh -huh. que hasta los fanáticos se han dado cuenta, se necesita un brazo seguro dentro del bullpen y sobre todo creo que como está en este momento el, la alineación y el line-up se necesita un jugador zurdo, bueno, viene el regreso de Wendell, pero se necesita un jugador zurdo de más contacto menos poder y quizás que te pueda jugar de manera más ágil en el outfield, no porque no confíen en Abisael García, no porque no confíen en Jorge Soler, pero son dos tipos de mucha fuerza que los quieres en tu line-up por el poder que tienen para batear Abisael García tiene un gran brazo para jugar al outfield, no uh -huh. es lo mismo con Jorge Soler y yo no veo, y lo repito porque lo dije cuando los Marlins hicieron la adquisición de Jorge Soler, yo no veo a Soler como un jugador de todos los días para los jardines Siento que los Marlins pueden buscar algo más ahí y se, habló, se ha hablado mucho y creo que lo puedes dejar para, para otro episodio, pero se habló mucho de que los Marlins estaban pushing por Ramón Laureano. No es el mejor jugador, pero es algo interesante que los Marlins puedan, pueden adquirir para, para si van a ser compradores como yo los veo de cara al mercado. And you mentioned Ramón Laureano and that's another name that you know, that's been popping up uh, for a lot of people, like, and pretty on Marlon's Twitter, it's like, okay, like, what, is that, a, is that going to be a, you know, he's, that name's been, you know, popping up a lot recently. Is that a name the Marlins are, are officially going to go after? And like you said, the Marlins have a lot of things to address. The outfield's defense, the bullpen, which has been the running theme since before the season started. Um, They have a lot of things to address, but I was a, I'm a bit surprised you said they're going to be buyers. Well, you know, It all, you know, this month, like you said, this month is the probably the biggest month of the season for the Miami Marlins in terms of what direction that they go. Right now, I would be sellers. I would want to be sellers because my, you know, the front office is changing. So I feel like that's just good. I feel like things need to change and give these younger players a chance. Blade, Lewin Diaz, like I don't understand. And I, I mean, I don't understand. Like I understand why they have Cooper and Aguilar, but at some point, They need to make a decision with one of them or even yeah. both of them, Be, you know, or keep one of them. You know, even though I love both players, you know, Jesus, I thought initially Jesus was going to be a one-year player, stopgap, you know, thank you for your service. And then like, you you know, find another team, but he, his performance and what he's brought to this, this franchise has been above and beyond in terms of just, you know, his presence in the locker room, in the lineup, being, you know, being that voice as well. So I, I appreciate that, but you know, At some point, you need to give these younger guys a chance to see what they offer. Because who knows? Maybe they can contribute a lot better than what the Marlins have right now. So right now, I I would I see them as sellers. But let's say they go on this like they have an amazing amazing month of July. Then and they're and they're back in the thick of things. So right now, the Marlins are seven games back of the final wild card spot. So if they somehow get back into the wild card situation, uh, you know, wild card talk. And get back in that situation, then I don't see them making huge splashes, like you know, you know, making big trades. But I can see them maybe going out through a bullpen piece, 
or, you know, or like a Ramon Luriano, one of the, you know, a utility outfielder and maybe filling in the gaps in the bullpen, like maybe like, like a, like a smaller signing. But at the moment, um, Andres, it doesn't look good for Miami, especially with the injuries. También, también, también veo y, y lo que dices, darle la oportunidad a los jóvenes, pero cuando, cuando veas a los Marlins como, como vendedores, realmente de quién quieres, a quién quieres vender. Porque eso es otra cosa que los Marlins yeah. también tienen que tomar en cuenta. Porque ves un futuro y dices, sí, tenemos un buen futuro, tenemos una buena rotación, pero no quieres salir de ellos y no vas a querer venderlos. No. Entonces también es una situación complicada, porque es tough for the Marlins, ver, ver si van a ser vendedores, si van a ser compradores, pero como, como tú dices, el mes de julio va a ser el decisivo para ver si los Marlins van a ser compradores o vendedores. Yeah, like the most important month of the 2022 MLB season for Miami, Miami Marlins is going to start in a couple days. It's June 30th right now, so it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start. They're going to, you know, to start a four-game series against the Nationals. I feel like that's a great way to start an important month against a team that you pretty much own already. So, you know, best of luck to the fish. You know, that's going to do things here for episode five of First Pitch 305. I'm your host, Alex Aguirre. And before I sign off, guys, don't forget that to follow Andres Bolivar on Twitter at Andres Bolivar, but Andres has two E's at the end. And, and Andres is the beat writer for the Tampa Bay Rays and the Miami Marlins. And you can follow his content at Con, la ba Con Las Bases Full or Con Las Bases Llenas, as they say it in Spanish. Andres, final thoughts on today's episode on what and what's going on with the Miami Marlins right now? Uh, a esperar que, que los Marlins, eh, desearles suerte y verlos conseguir un buen, un buen mes de julio, que, que puedan meterse nuevamente en la pelea por, por un puesto en, en el wild card. Uh, va a ser interesante. Eh, por favor, eh, quienes nos escuchan y fanáticos y estén en Miami, go to watch Sandy Alcántara. Uh, yes. No lo van, se los prometo, no van a perder el ticket. It's gonna be an amazing night for baseball, and you're gonna enjoy it for sure. And that's it. Just um, sigan apoyando a los Marlins, sigan apoyando a Sandy. They need it because I, I, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be different si la gente va al estadio a apoyar al equipo. En esperar que, que tenga un mes un buen mes de julio y obviamente agradecerte Alex por, por la invitación eh, es súper agradable hablar contigo y hablar sobre todo sobre el equipo que, que estamos eh, viendo todos los días desde el press box del Long Depot Park absolutely no I can't wait when the Marlins come back to see you again we're gonna have you on again for sure I had a blast and yeah thanks guys for listening you can follow me at Aguirre the Cap 33 and you can follow Andrés at Andrés Bolivar con las bases at con las bases llena thanks for listening to episode 5 and take care and let's go fish la morra se va elevando